Welcome to the History of Christianity podcast with Stephen Bedard. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when the enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So Luke records the words of Jesus in Luke 19, 41-44. Scholars debate whether this was a prediction by Jesus or Luke putting words back into the mouth of Jesus after the fact. What most scholars are agreed on is that this is referring to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD. This event was a turning point for both Jerusalem and Christianity. In the past number of episodes, we've looked at both the Jewish and Roman background of the first century. In this episode, those two elements will intersect as we look at the Jewish war. I should call this the first Jewish war, as the Jews will give it another go in the second century, but that will be for another day. This war took place from 66 to 73 AD. That's not to say that things began out of nothing in the year 66. Tensions between the Jews and the Romans had been growing since the Romans first entered the land. In fact, I take issue with those who claim that the Gospels had to be written after 70 AD because of the references to the fall of Jerusalem. Even if you don't believe in prophecy, I think it's perfectly reasonable to accept that Jesus in the early 30s could see where the relationship between the Jews and the Romans were going. Like many revolts throughout history, this one included a reaction against taxation. These protests ended up leading to the death of some Romans. This led the Roman governor, Gessius Florus, to plunder the Jerusalem temple. This escalated into a greater reaction by the Jews, and the Roman garrison was overcome. Herod Agrippa II and other Roman officials fled Jerusalem, and help was called for. Cestius Gallus brought in troops from Syria, but they were ambushed by Jewish rebels, and 6,000 Romans were slain. The Emperor Nero assigned Vespasian to put down the rebellion. Vespasian took a systematic approach and began his strategy in Galilee. It was in Galilee that Josephus was leading the Jewish forces against the Romans. It was at Jodapada that Josephus was defeated. The remaining Jewish forces decided to kill themselves rather than surrender to the Romans. This was done until all that was left was Josephus and one other. They talked themselves into surrendering rather than following their comrades in death. This took place in July of 67 AD. Josephus ended up getting on Vespasian's good side and wrote a history of the Jewish war under his patronage. Josephus even took on Vespasian's family name of Flavius. As the Romans became more successful, many Jews fled to Jerusalem seeking safety. They would not find it there. Vespasian surrounded Jerusalem in the summer of 68 and prepared for the final defeat of the Jews. 
However, it was around this time that Nero died, and Vespasian wasn't in a hurry to finish the war without knowing what the next emperor was wanting. Vespasian likely had no idea that he would be the future emperor. But before that, we had the three short-lived emperors of 69 that was looked at in a previous episode. When Vespasian was declared emperor, he set out for Rome and left his son Titus with four legions to finish the war against the Jews. Such confusion and turmoil within the leadership of the Roman Empire should have given the Jews an advantage. Unfortunately, they wasted their opportunity by violent infighting among the various groups within Jerusalem. According to Josephus, there were three factions within Jerusalem. They were led by Eliezer, son of Simon, John of Giscala, and Simon, son of Gioris. Each of these were more interested in growing their own personal power than working together against the Romans. One of the Jewish groups in the fight was the Zealots. Josephus refers to the Zealots as the fourth philosophy after the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes. There is a Simon the Zealot listed among Jesus' twelve disciples, but it is not clear that he belonged to this group. He may have just been zealous in the familiar sense of the word. There was a faction of the Zealots called the Sicarii. The Sicarii's preferred methods was to slip a dagger into the back of an enemy in a crowded marketplace. The Sicarii left the city near the beginning of the revolt and made their base at Masada. Titus besieged Jerusalem during the spring and summer of 70. The situation within Jerusalem had become desperate. Josephus says this about what was happening in Jerusalem. Thus did the miseries of Jerusalem grow worse and worse every day, and the seditious were still more irritated by the calamities they were under, even while the famine preyed upon themselves, after it had preyed upon the people. And indeed the multitude of carcasses that lay in heaps one upon another was a terrible sight, and produced a pestilential stench, which was a hindrance to those that would make sallies out of the city and fight the enemy. But as those were to go in battle array, who had been already used to ten thousand murders, and must tread upon those dead bodies as they marched along, so were not they terrified, nor did they pity men as they marched over them, nor did they deem this affront offered to the deceased to be any ill omen to themselves. But as they had their right hands already polluted with the murders of their own countrymen, and in that condition ran out to fight with foreigners, they seemed to me to have cast a reproach upon God himself, as if he were too slow in punishing them. For the war was not now gone on with as if they had any hope of victory, for they gloried after a brutish manner in that despair of deliverance they were already in. Eventually the Romans were able to break through into Jerusalem. There was a terrible slaughter of the Jews. There's some controversy about what actually happened at the temple. There's some indication that Titus wanted the temple saved, but that it was accidentally set on fire and destroyed. However, that may have just been a PR strategy to make Titus look better. What we do know is that the temple was destroyed. Titus had finished the job that his father Vespasian had begun. The Arch of Titus was constructed in 82 AD by Titus' brother Domitian to commemorate this victory. I'll include a picture of the arch in the show notes at historyofchristianitypodcast.com. Now, 70 AD is considered the key moment in the war with the destruction of Jerusalem 
and especially the temple. But the war actually continued until 73, with the fall of the fortress of Masada. The story of Masada is very interesting, although I won't go into the details here. I'll just say that it was a long siege, and that when the Romans finally made it into the fortress, they found that the defenders had committed suicide. Thus ended the war of the Jews against the Romans. At least this one. My recommended audiobook for this episode is Jerusalem's Traitor, Josephus, Masada, and the Fall of Judea. When the Jews revolted against Rome in 66 CE, Josephus, a Jerusalem aristocrat, was made a general in his nation's army. Captured by the Romans, he saved his skin by finding favor with the Emperor Vespasian. He then served as an advisor to the Roman legions, running a network of spies inside Jerusalem in the belief that the Jews' only hope of survival lay in surrender to Rome. As a Jewish eyewitness who was given access to Vespasian's campaign notebooks, Josephus is our only source of information for the war of extermination that ended in the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple, and the amazing times in which he lived. He is of vital importance for anyone interested in the Middle East, Jewish history, and the early history of Christianity. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash hopesreason for your free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit me at historyofchristianitypodcast.com and find me on Facebook and Twitter. Consider supporting this podcast by leaving a review on iTunes or even pledging a dollar a month at patreon.com slash hopesreason to help pay for the cost of this podcast. Finally, check out my other podcast on the Second World War at secondworldwarpodcast.net. Thank you, and God bless.